Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Albert Pujols just named Nationally Comeback Player of the Year because, Ooh. for the love of God, who else could have been the Nationally Comeback I Player of the Year? Nobody else. I mean, that was amazing. Really, a lot of fun, and of course, he was honored at the Stan Musial Awards over the weekend. Here's another story. Maybe toss this out to Tim Summer as he joins us later this hour to talk about the Ticketmaster debacle. Remember last week? I think you gave me sort of an unusual look. I was teasing my friend Jessica Radloff, who wrote this great book on the Big Bang Theory, and she was here for the Jewish Book Fest. And I said something like, I was just teasing her. I said, hey, did you get all those copies of the books that, that I actually signed your name to? You know, my my assertion was this, that when you get a signed copy of the book, it's hard for me to believe that, hey, maybe an assistant or a friend doesn't do some of the signing when you're signing so many copies of the book. Now, I'm not alleging that Jessica was doing that because she right. wasn't. But lo and behold... Here's the story. Publishing giant Simon & Schuster is issuing refunds for the $600 <laughs> hand-signed edition of Bob Dylan's new book, The Philosophy of Modern Song, after it turned out Dylan's <laughs> autograph was a penned replica, which is a little different than well, like a complete totally imitation. different. But I was making the same however, point. However, it, your, your point is a good one, especially a Bob Dylan who is in a... I mean, it's not like it's Sue's cookbook that I've signed. It's Bob Dylan. So there's 8,000 examples. And if you buy an autographed copy of Bob Dylan, you really well, want to make sure he signed right, it. Right, because not only that, but Simon & Schuster advertised the limited edition saying that it was hand-signed by Dylan. And the copies even came with a note from the CEO of Simon & Schuster, a guy named Jonathan Karp, that vouched for their authenticity. This, this is what's great. You hold in your hand something very special. One of just 900 copies available in the U.S., The Philosophy of Modern Song, signed by Bob Dylan. And at the very end, this letter is confirmation that the copy of the book you hold in your hand has been hand-signed by Bob Dylan. Um, <laughs> apparently not. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, and it's easy to look up Bob Dylan's real signature, I assume. So well, somebody again, thought. I think it is um, It is his signature, but it wasn't. Reproduced. It was just, yeah, it wasn't. Like not Bob didn't sign signed. each copy of the book because right. they decided maybe stamp, that was. It was a stamp, I guess. Much, right. Exactly. <laughs> Cheaty. Who, who was it that uh, I signed something recently and, and somebody, I don't know if I was at a store or someone, somebody said to me, Maybe it was here. And they said, is that your signature? I'm like, yeah, that's the best I got. It's just a scribble. There's not much to it, right? It's just, it's going to look different every time. Yeah. 
Um, it, it really does all go back to the second grade. You know, my daughter's in second grade right now. Mrs. Lewis was my second grade teacher. She sent me home that summer. It was the summer I moved from Park Ridge, Illinois, to Niles, changing school. And I was sent home with a, a handwriting book that I was supposed to work on that summer. Apparently, I didn't do it because my handwriting. You've seen it, Sue. Yes, it's. We should do small. something uh, kind of a little fun. Do on the show where people can identify what I write down because it would be a challenge. I can we hold could it up actually to the all right write now. something and have them assign whose handwriting it is to the person. I think that'd be fun. Abby, me, and Fred—you never know. Well, they'd you. know it was me right away. Hey, let's go to the Big Island of Hawaii. We have not chatted with our friend Dr. Buzz Hollander in a while, mainly because we haven't had this pandemic ripping through every corner of uh, the country. But Dr. Hollander, I wanted to have him back because we do have people now hospitalized with some different things. RSV is kind of getting through kids, and I know my daughter's school has a lot of kids out. She's been sick for a few weeks. How are you, Dr. Hollander? Good afternoon. Thank you for having me on, Mark. I was a little bit worried that I've been forgotten. You oh, know, no. nobody oh, no. wanted to talk about COVID anymore. Well, you're, you're not forgotten, and I have to first and foremost apologize because I literally, I know you're going to think I'm making this up, I, I have... I got challenged on my T-shirts because they didn't give me a lot of sizes. And I believe that you requested a medium, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's true. Right. I, I forgot about that, too. Well, it's it's actually in an envelope with your name on it, the address and everything. It just not has not made its way to the post office yet. So I have to apologize for that. But I have missed you because, look, I, I look at things every once in a while. I'm trying to think if there's an angle to go down with COVID that people might have questions about. But it's been sort of eerily quiet, hasn't it? It has been. Uh, I, I feel that, too. Like, the questions from my patients are dropping down and people aren't that interested in the booster. Uh, it's It's been interesting to watch because it's not like it's gone away. I mean, I'm still seeing a lot of cases in my in my practice. Uh, just as always, nobody needs to be hospitalized, but that's been my good, good fortune. And uh, it, it's around, but nobody gets a PCR test. Everybody does a rapid test, and, and people deal with it. Yeah, which is maybe how we should be dealing with it at this point, or do you disagree? No, I think that that's appropriate now. It is not the health threat that it once was, and I, I think the numbers bear that out. That's not to say everything's peachy keen on the, on the infectious disease front or hospital function right now, but it is, uh, I don't think it should be completely reshaping the way we view our, our social interactions at this point. So what, what is going on? Because maybe dial down here on some of the science of what's happened in the last couple of years from the standpoint we wore masks, we weren't exposed to some of these other things. I know that my, my daughter in particular, she's been, you know, snotted up for like three weeks, really no other symptoms outside of just congestion, a little coughing. She said that a bunch of the kids in her class were out probably from RSV or whatever, but this is kind of ripping through the kids right now, right? Oh, we're seeing, we're seeing that here. I mean, my kids were out. They went back in school last week. It, literally, they're some of the only kids in their classes. It's just, it's it's tearing through here. And yeah, it's, I don't know if it's RSV. Unfortunately, people, I think, are now feel a sense of entitlement. Like, I need to know, I have a right to know what my bug is. Right. But it's, these panels are, are like $1,500 to get these respiratory panels. So you never order them. We, we can check for influenza and we can check for COVID, but you want an RSV test, like that's separate. It, it, it's going to take some time. And the full panel is really expensive, at least for now. I'm sure that technology will get here when you can find out which of 15 or 20 uh, cold bugs you have. Not that there's a lot but of does it does it matter, today. though, right? I mean, so just a personal example, we, we had my, my daughter has been a little sick and then my wife last a week ago Sunday started feeling scratchy, sore throat and congestion. And then 
I went to the Eagles last Tuesday night. I had a marvelous time, did the show on Wednesday. By Wednesday evening, I was kind of <clears throat> gunked up. Then I lost my voice for a couple of days and had some congestion, but really no other symptoms. In fact, I said on the show, I had to be honest about it, Dr. Buzz, it was maybe the most productive sick days I've had in a long time because unlike COVID and some of the other viruses I've had in the past couple of years, I was curled up into a ball during those, you know, didn't want to move, had fevers. This just couldn't talk on the radio, felt okay, was still getting around, could still drink Diet Coke. See, that's the thing for me. It's the Diet Coke test, Dr. Hollander. <laughs> if I'm not, not drinking Diet Cokes, that means I'm really sick. But I was able to drink Diet Cokes. I, I mean, most viruses are unpleasant, but not pure misery. And to your point, though, it, it matters a little bit. For the most part, with almost any virus, all that really matters is, are you so sick that you need medical care? But the difference would be, it would be nice, let's say you were an adult, and you got a nasty cough, and you did a home test and found out you had RSV, you would know not to go to the house that's got the four-month-old baby because mm-hmm. you might kill that baby right. if you gave them RSV. And you would also know maybe I'm, I'm not going to treat this like any old cold and go see my parents at a dinner. They're dying for me to come even though they know I'm sick because I might put my parents in the hospital with RSV. Same with flu, and to a lesser degree now, same with COVID. There, there are some viruses that pack more punch, And it's helpful to know that you might be someone with a mild version of it that could get someone else really sick. But it's going to be a long time before that's affordable to just, you know, spit in a tube or swab your nose and know exactly what you got. And so until then, yeah, just stay home when you're sick. Right. That turns out to have been good advice all along. And that's the main advice I think people need to be following now. That was kind of where I was going to go down that path is that basically if if you're not feeling well, if you think you're sick, I mean, I know that my my wife seemingly somebody who always wants to take a COVID test. And she said she took one the other day again. I'm like, why do you keep taking a COVID test? But some people feel like they have to know or whatever. I guess I get that. But if you're not feeling well, if you're sick, stay home. Don't go to work. Don't be around other people. It's not that complicated sometimes. Take care of yourself. Get better. Yeah, I agree. And then the only hard part is on the tail end, because as you found out with with your daughter, it's like this particular thing that's going around now, whether it's RSV or some other virus, it it clings. And our older daughter had it for two, two and a half weeks of coughing and snot. And you feel bad sending them back to school. But the presumption is, you know, after four or five days, once you're getting better, you're probably not very contagious. It'd be great if they could ever come up with something like we I mean, that's what the COVID tests are great for is you do those rapid tests. And if you test negative, even if you're still coughing a little snotty, you're probably not contagious. And that is a useful thing to know because people act like, oh, well, just stay home for 15 days if you have COVID. Like, you know what? Yeah, there are jobs to do and there's there's life to live and people to see and to help. And you can't just, you know, disappear for two weeks every time you get an illness. Where is your your brain right now? You mentioned boosters, but I find that I'm not talking to anyone that feels the need to, to get another booster, um, even even older people. And is it true that some of the boosters that are even available right now might not even be effective in the current variants? So what's the guidance there? We're a ways from knowing, like the, the newer variants, the so-called Scrabble variants, the BQ and, and, and various other iterations of that, like they are descended from BA5, more or less. And so I, I would expect that the current bivalent would be as good as the initial iterations of the vaccines were at preventing severe disease and for briefly preventing or reducing the risk of infection. Uh, so I, I'm not piling on to the booster, the new boosters, just because we lack randomized controlled data that they 
work as well as the old vaccines, there's also no real reason to think they're worse. So I think it, it continues to be a question, as it was before, of are you a good candidate? Will you benefit from having a booster? And I think for a lot of people, a lot of us have gotten infected in the last six months. And so for most of us, no, the answer is no, we should not get a booster right now. Let's, let's finish developing our immunity to the infection we just had. And then there's people who are so low risk. If you're a healthy 22-year-old guy you know, going away to college, then you are at more risk of getting an MRA, post-mRNA vaccine myocarditis than you are of getting hospitalized by getting COVID for the fourth time if you've had multiple infections. So there are some people for whom it's just not necessary. I think for those people who've maybe only gotten two shots or they got two shots and infected a year and a half ago, and they're high risk, they're older, they've, they've got comorbidities that put them at risk, then, yeah, a, a, the bivalent booster is probably still going to have the same benefit as the old vaccine boosters would have had in our earlier variants. It's just, uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all. And, and the data that just came out, I think, today from the CDC, you know, they're pushing this as, oh, you know, good vaccine effectiveness uh, of the bivalent vaccines found in this sort of low-quality observational trial, but they're finding 25 to 50 percent reduction in new infections that are actually diagnosed in people who got the bivalent booster compared to people who didn't. The problem is the whole study was done within, of course, two months of the introduction of the bivalent bo booster. So this is within the first month or two that you get the shot. You still only have a 25 to 50 percent reduced risk of infection if we take it at face value. So just like before, you're just going to get a couple months of a reduced risk of infection, which is maybe appropriate if you haven't gotten your booster in six months, a year, and you're about to travel to a ski vacation in Switzerland and there's a lot of cases there, maybe it's worth it to have a 50% reduced risk of getting infected and ruining your vacation. But I wouldn't look at it like, I must get this bivalent vaccine to be a responsible member of society, because that's not the case for most of us. Yeah, it's just interesting how, how much has happened just in, so quickly, because if you go back just a year, things were really ramping up around the holidays last year. And I guess for me, just because I'm talking about this on the radio all the time, I'm looking around the corner. I'm always Googling. I'm looking at Europe. I'm looking at some of the other areas just to see when we're going to get the hell scared out of us again in this country. And it's seemingly because I would have expected just because of conventional wisdom, oh, we're going to have a ramp up here in November. You know, you have flu cases that are ramping up too. people are going to be sick and you're just not hearing that as much. I know people are getting sick. I, I've got friends, you know, family members. You're hearing it from people that you know, but obviously not the fear factor in the uh, media, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I think it's probably healthy and it's appropriate for what we're seeing, which is hospitalizations are flat or declining. Deaths are declining. And you know, I'm sure if we went, we could pick out five or ten Twitter voices in September and they'd be saying they'd be painting a very different picture than what we're seeing right now here as we get towards Thanksgiving. Does that mean we're scot free? I don't know. I mean, what happened between now and last winter is everybody got Omicron. I mean, like literally yeah, probably 90 plus percent right, of Americans right. got it. And that's really good protection, especially when it's thrown on top of a whole bunch of vaccines for most people. So I do think that as long as we stick within this Omicron fold, we're probably, you know, there's a good chance we'll get some waves of infection, but there's a good chance we're not going to see this kind of run on COVID hospitalizations that we saw in the past. Now, we get some like Delta sublineage pop up that's, that is really resistant to prior immunity and, and is more severe. We got a whole other ballgame. Well, but right now, happen. Omicron yeah. is so good at doing what it does, which is transmit mutate, stay Omicron, keep being highly transmissible without killing us, that it's, it's a pretty, oddly enough, it's a 
pretty good place to be. Yeah, in I right would now. say it is. Hey, what what in your opinion, Dr. Fauci had a news conference today. Um, I, I think that he's got some explaining to do overall from the past couple of years. He doesn't seem to want to do that. But he was asked about, you know, the contradictory advice that's occurred over the last two years. I can remember if you were around that at this podium, I contradicted those which set off a whole series of things in my life. Uh, <laughs> the people who have correct information, who take science seriously, who don't have strange way out theories about things, but who base what they say on evidence and data, need to speak up more. See, hearing him say that is hard for me to digest because I think that we've seen pushback to, to ordinary people saying, look, the health officials told us this. They said this. It wasn't borne out. We don't trust them anymore. There's a big lack of trust for the government, the CDC in particular, and healthcare officials, don't you think? Yeah, and, and I think of, arguably the root of that problem was the lack of humility and the stridency in their messaging. Yes. And it was compounded by the fact that sometimes that messaging was concurrent with obvious data contradicting that same messaging. So it's, it's one thing to be saying, hey, uh, we, we really think that if everybody gets this vaccine right here in May of 2020, that we're going to, uh, I'm sorry, May of 2021, that we can get to herd immunity and, and we're not going to have to worry about COVID anymore. That was okay to say in May. But by July, that was clearly false. You know, we had Provincetown, we had all this other stuff that made it clear that we were losing that sort of really high protection against, against infection, the sterilizing immunity. And yet the message hadn't changed. And it was still, get your vaccine. If you don't, if you're not vaccinated, you need to wear a mask wherever you go. And it was so obviously wrong at the time, and yet it hadn't shifted. Yeah, and it, people rightfully. And I, I experienced this, this Dr. Buzz, I experienced this personally last August. And I, I've shared this story one time on the air, and I think it's important because I took, and this is my decision, right? They came to me in June of last year by they, people here at the radio station and the Missouri Department of Health and said, hey, would you do a campaign for vaccination? I said, yes, I will do a campaign for vaccination. So as the campaign emerged into the summer, we get to August, things were changing. You know, we were finding that that vaccine was not preventing you from spreading the infection. And I, I started asking questions. I'm like, look, my, my credibility is on the line here. I'm telling people this, but I think the messaging needs to change. I was told to shut up basically, by someone who doesn't work here anymore, thankfully, which is maybe why I'm comfortable. But my point at the time was, look, I'm being, and, and this is an important point of this, I was being compensated, the radio station is being compensated by taxpayer dollars, right, to do this campaign. I think it's incumbent upon us to be honest with the people that we're you know, messaging to about the state of the campaign. And I was basically told, nothing to see here, don't worry about it, you know, just just say what we're telling you to, which I refuse to do. But I think that's a problem. And really, th that was a, a little behind the scenes aspect that I had that really gave me pause, much pause, I guess I would say. Rightfully so. By summer of 2021, the correct message was, please get vaccinated if you're not immune. It, it We're confident it will reduce severe disease and it might substantially reduce infections and lead towards herd immunity. But the right. might never popped up until it, it had been obvious for way too long. And yeah, you, you're stuck holding the bag of giving a message that isn't really true anymore. Yeah, well, it was evolving, and I think the messaging was not, you know, keeping up with the evolution of the messaging. Uh, are we eating a pig or a turkey on Thursday on the Big Island? 
Oh, we're turkey people. Okay. Are you are you ham people? No, not ham, but Fred's going to New York, and he's um, going to eat at a Cuban restaurant, and they're probably going to cook a pig there. I have nothing against that. I'm, I'm not a ham person. I take a pretty strong stand against hams, just so you know. It's not a secret. <laughs> I don't keep that secret at no, all. No, no. I do sure. know now. Yeah, okay. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your turkey. Your T-shirt should be there by 2024, I think, is what we're oh, on track for. come on. That'd be the best Christmas present ever. You'll get it. You'll get it. We'll see you. Thank you. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Okay, I got to talk about the uh, the T Swifty Ticketmaster debacle. Been holding on to this for a little while here. Tim Summers is going to join us. He is the author of the Inside Story of Hootie and the Blowfish. Only want to be with you. A good friend of the program, former record exec, music expert, extraordinaire. Writes for the Rock and Roll Globe. Am I missing anything? All kinds of things. We can. I don't it. think you're missing anything. What I, a pleasure. I, I can make it's up nice. a few things too. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. And can I say something? I am Jewish. And I wrote a book. So how come I wasn't invited to the Jewish Book Festival? That is an excellent question. We would have to check. Are you from St. Louis? <laughs> uh, no, you got me there. Okay. Well, Jess- yeah. Jessica was from St. Louis, although it could have been a good fit. We would love to get you here to St. Louis. How do we do that uh, I sometime? Would love that. I would love that. Come in here, sit in on the show, do oh, the round table with us, talk some politics. Tim Summer, I know I you're dying that. to do that. Well, and I would love that. to. I would love to meet you, and I would love to to meet Sue, and I'd love to take you to Steakhouse and buy you some single malts. It would be a good evening. We, we're gonna have to see if we can execute that. Oh, that'd for be sure. nice. So, this, you know, this is where I'm a little uncomfortable. I don't know if you heard me say this earlier, but I, I might be about to agree with AOC on something here because she tweeted out about Ticketmaster and Live Nation being a monopoly. And I'm a little annoyed by the way that this whole thing has gone down. I'm all for capitalism and people having choices, but you don't really have choices anymore when you buy tickets. So what say ye, uh, Tim Summer about this whole mess? Because it's sort of a bit of a, a deja vu after what happened with Springsteen, but this one was yeah. even on steroids more. Well, first of all, you're completely correct. It is a dis functional monopoly to the extreme. Um, The only thing that stops monopolies, mind you, yes, the government can stop monopoly, but really it has to come from the head down, meaning the artists have to speak up and say, Uh this is wrong. Now, Taylor Swift did that, which is wonderful. I'm going to pause, put a pause on that for a second. 
and just speak practically for a moment. And I want to give advice to you and all the parents out there who might be uh, buying Taylor Swift tickets or all the Taylor Swift fans out there. I'm going to use Bruce Springsteen as a model. Um, If you want to get tickets, just wait. For instance, I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. I was looking up the Bruce Springsteen concert, which I believe is the nearest to St. Louis, which is a a date in Kansas City. Kansas City, February 17th, I think, yeah. You can go online now, uh, roughly, I don't know, 10 or 12 weeks after the hoopla of the initial ticket sale. You can go online now, and you can buy Bruce Springsteen tickets for $150, $100, $200, reasonable prices. Mind you, not reasonable for people like you and me, Mark, or like Sue, who grew up probably paying 10 or $12 for concert tickets, but still a lot less than the 5000 and 8000 that were initially available when the tickets went on sale. So the practical advice I have for ticket buyers of Taylor Swift or anyone else is just sit on your hands a little while and wait. Now, going on to the Monopoly thing, it is entirely dysfunctional. It's dysfunctional that Ticketmaster and Live Nation control all of the concert venues and ticketing in the United States. I do not know enough about you, about Monopoly busting to say how that's fixed. However, for an artist If the artists speak out, if the artists say enough is enough, we want there to be a solution here. If an artist say, I'm going to sit down with my manager and I'm going to figure out how to do this, then maybe a solution can happen. Because the fact is, the the, the, the the kerfuffle, if you don't mind me using a wonderful K, the K word. I do like that word. It's (laughs) It's great. Uh, the kerfuffle that happened when Taylor Swift went on sale was inexcusable. Yes, there were 14 million requests on the day of, and the system collapsed. Taylor Swift going on sale is the Super Bowl of ticket of ticket sales. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so, especially yeah. at this point now, in her career, yeah. If, on the day of the Super Bowl, does CBS go, oh, my God, 200 million people are watching our show all over the world. We can't handle it. No, they didn't. They were prepared for that. For some reason, Ticketmaster weren't prepared. Now, Ticketmaster can be more prepared for these things. Ticketmaster can think of different ways to to outsmart the uh, the secondary market and the scalpers. Uh, we don't use the word scalpers anymore. It's uh, whatever, the secondary market. The brokers, I guess you would say. Thank right? you. Yeah. Um, There's no excuse for the fact that Ticketmaster's system collapsed. However, what has to happen is the people who benefit the most from these mega ticket sales, your Bruce Springsteen's, your Elton John's, of course Elton John is out of the picture right now, but whatever, just ignore that I said that, your your Bruce Springsteen's, your Taylor Swift's, all your mega country artists, and their managers have to sit down with Ticketmaster and they have to say, we care about the fan but see what's happening here but that's not what's happening though right that's exactly right yeah so let me let me break it down this way in 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 part of my opinion so i would say because and i'll just have to admit to being an elitist when it comes to tickets because i i like good tickets right and i will pay for better tickets so if you have a, a a system where tickets go on sale you don't get tickets you know Typically, there'd be StubHub or something out there. You can go see what the prices are going to be. So then you got Ticketmaster and the artists that come along. Wait a second. These brokers are making all this money. We want to make the money. But it's really not helping the fan because the fan is still going to pay the same amount that they would pay a broker or more because 
the price is still going to be jacked up in the secondary market. It's just going to be done through this official Platinum VIP right. Ticketmaster process. Yeah. So I, who, someone's getting paid, but the fans still having to, you know, come up with a bunch of money. And one of the things that I was thinking of, and, and let me use Abby, my producer, as an example, who is a, a fan of Taylor Swift. She sat in the queue for hours the other day. Five hours and ten minutes. I would like to take my daughter to Taylor Swift. Now, I'm trying to say this is... is you know, nicely as possible where I don't come off like a complete jerk, which I often will. But I, I'm not going to buy the, the seat up in the upper deck to see Taylor Swift, right? I would go to the secondary market if I can't access those tickets. Yeah, of course. But, but now you, you, you seemingly can't even do that because they've pinned demand so much into this system with the dynamic pricing because people send these screen captures around, Tim, that say, look, Taylor Swift tickets going for 22500 Well, not really. I mean, that's no. what I guess you can pay for it if you so desire, but that's just a number that's flashing up there based on demand, right? Right. And that's why I'm saying, if you look, I'm using Bruce Springsteen as an example, if you look at this Bruce Springsteen Kansas City play, you'll see that the ticket prices, you know, again, they're not reasonable for people like you and I who grew up in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, but they are reasonable based on the market. Possibly, possibly a solution for this for the big-name artists, your Taylor Swift, et cetera, possibly the solution for them is they have to go to Ticket, they have to go to Live Nation, they have to go to Ticketmaster, and they have to say, we will control the process. What if, what if Taylor Swift was to say, I am going to buy, meaning Taylor Swift and her management, mm-hmm. and I'm, just, I'm thinking off the top of my head, Taylor Swift and her management say, I am going to buy a million tickets for this tour, and we are going to take care of this through websites that we set up. It's an enormous amount of work, but it, it, it would be taking charge of this thing. The fact is, people don't know how to defeat this monopoly. A similar thing happened with the streaming services, uh, with Spotify, for instance. People didn't know how to beat Spotify, and they still don't. They don't know how to beat Spotify, though, of course, there's Bandcamp and things like that. So the artists just gave in. The artists cannot give in on this because, as you said, as Abby said, as Sue said, the artists, the, the fans lose. And the fans remember. The fans are going to have unpleasant experiences. You, me, Mark, we have pleasant concert experiences from our youth because we remember waiting online and buying tickets for a reasonable amount of money, or going to Ticketron or whatever it was and buying tickets for a reasonable amount of money. People are going to have unpleasant memories of Taylor Swift and unpleasant memories of this experience because of that five hours and 41 minutes they waited online. The artists have to say, I want to do something to circumvent that. Do I know what that is? No. Does the artist know what that is? No. Does their manager know what that is? No. But they have to sit down and figure it out because... They have to say, we care about the fan and the fan experience. I have a proposal. I think we should go back to the way it was, like when I was 15, 16 years old. I would sleep out at Streetside Records oh, there you go. in St. Louis, yep. waiting for tickets to go on sale the next morning. Your parents wouldn't know it, but you'd be drinking overnight with your friends. And then you'd, at one point, get beat up by someone, because that happened when I was waiting in line for journey tickets oh at one God. point. What but did that's, you do? I, I don't think I did anything. Okay. I don't even really remember it, but I was told about it afterwards. But that was the way that I grew up, getting concert tickets. Here's the other thing, Tim, that's interesting to me, is because you know Live Nation does control most of the concert promotion out there. But there's this other company called AEG. And ironically, it's AEG who's promoting Taylor Swift's show, but they're using Ticketmaster as the distribution point because... I guess they feel like they're the best system. 
I honestly, uh, I don't know anything about that. What's clearly going on here is that Ticketmaster, you know, they have a system that's not set up to hold that, to handle this kind of volume. They obviously Apparently have no not. control over the secondary market. Yeah. And there is an answer for this. One wonders what is the motivation for Ticketmaster to try to solve this problem since they make the same dollar at the end of the day. The motivation is in the artist. The motivation is the artists have to say, we want to stand up for the experience of the fans. That's my guess. But I have to tell you something. What The place I would start is what you said. I would think... What would be the online equivalent of the experience you and I had of going and going to the, uh, the, 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 the ticket office at 11 p.m. the night before and waiting? Maybe it's some sort of lottery system. Maybe it's some sort of thing where you – an online bracelet, an online uh, – you know, token that's an online lottery. There's but isn't no that exactly it. what they were trying? Because that's kind of what Taylor Swift and Springsteen did. They said you have to register. If you register, right. you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna prioritize your shows. So let's say I want to see her in Vegas or Kansas City or Chicago, and then we're gonna give you this code the night before. But even that didn't work. You guys, just, we have a comment. Down, we have a comment. You're right from Jeff Kimberlin uh, online, who says Pearl Jam fought this fight with Ticketmaster in the early '90s. Does anybody right. remember that? And did anything come of it? I actually I remember that very well because I was working in Atlantic Records at the time. So I was I was really I wasn't involved in that particular fight. I was pretty deeply involved. I mean, I knew everything that was going on. The problem was t- Pearl Jam couldn't quite figure out the right solution. The solution that Pearl Jam came up with ended up being 25 cents cheaper than Ticketmaster's uh. than uh, than Ticketmaster's system. I'll tell you though. I was working with Hootie and the Blowfish at the time, and Hootie and the Blowfish said, we're not going to set up our own ticket system. Instead, what we will do is the extra charges and the extra, you know, the extra charges that Pearl Jam is protesting, we are going to take out of our own cut, which they did. Like, for instance, if, if, if Ticketmaster charged, uh, I don't know what the exact amount was, and ticket charge prices were so much cheaper in the mid-1990s, um, if Ticketmaster was taking a $10 service fee. Hootie and the Blowfish said, we will reduce our ticket prices by $10. Now, that was an effective way of doing it. Again, how does that apply to today? I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. You know, I was, yeah. I was just telling Sue earlier, I was trying to buy tickets. My son was in over the weekend. He's always, um, well, I, I actually tell him, I said, look, if you want tickets for a show, let's see if I can access them through privilege first. And I, I went online. There's a show at Stiefel uh, Opera House, which is right across the street from where we basically are right now. It's a great venue. It used to be the Keel Opera House in the 1970s and 80s. Like the 60s too. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. And they renovated it in fine fashion. But um, I... You know, at, I looked at the tickets on Sunday, and I'm poking around, and they were like $90 tickets. And I, I pitched an idea. I'm like, well, Santa could come early if you're interested. So I went through the process of picking the tickets out just to see what would happen. They were – I don't even think I was imagining this. By the time they rang up, there were $48 per ticket charges as fees, which was yeah, that's, that's, mind-blowing that's, that's, to me. And I said, mm, nope, Santa's going to have to go in a different direction cow. there. Because that was a $90 ticket that became a $160 ticket real quick. There is a there is somewhere there is a solution to this. Personally, I don't know what it is. I know it has to come from the artist down because the motivation for the corporate side, for the Ticketmaster side to solve it, is very small. The motivation has to come from the artist. 
Hey, by the way, we'll close on this because I have to get get moving here, Tim. But I do have a different um, concert policy moving forward into the future after okay. 2022. After going to see, and, and I really, I, I saw the Eagles last week, and it was fantastic. And I'm a big fan Good. of the Eagles. But I've seen the Eagles, the Who, Aerosmith, Roger Waters all in the last few months. Outside of Bruce, because I already have my tickets, new policy not that these shows were bad. They were good. Nobody over the age of 70 anymore. That's the new policy. Do you think I can stick to it? <laughs> yeah, I do. I genuinely do. We'll and again, see. if I have to leave anyone with anything, I want to say this. I want to say two things, and I'll say them very quickly. Wait, wait, yep. wait. That's good advice. The ticket prices, even on the most exclusive artists, will come down. And number two, Buy early Christmas presents. Buy my book. Yep. Only want to be with you. The buy inside the story book. of Hootie and the That's Bullfish. That's right. Make a great, great stocking stuffer. Tim Summer, happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk soon. Thank you All so right. much, Mark. Thank you so much, Sue. Thank you so much, Abby. We'll talk to you soon. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Hey, I am ready for Thanksgiving, Sue Thomas. Are Me you? Me too. Well, well, you have to work tomorrow, right? I have to work tomorrow, and I have to uh, bake two pies, get the potatoes peeled, get the ham and the turkey out. Yeah, but that's fun, though. Well, Don't you I, like all the prep, though? I kind of like some of the prep for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, I know do. it's a lot of work. I do, but, but I mostly enjoy eating. Yeah, that's really the, the bottom line. It's the, the best yeah. part of it. Well, I'll be on a late, late flight to the desert tonight with the family back on Monday. We're off tomorrow. We have best ofs on Thursday and Friday. I have a bit of an extended cut of the day, so I better not waste any time. We'll get right to it here this afternoon. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. So we, we talked a little bit because there's still so many questions about the uh, the shooting over the weekend at Club Q in Colorado Springs. 
um, at the LGBTQ club. But um, this is an amazing story, and I didn't hear about this today. This guy's name is Richard Fierro. And Richard Fierro went to Club Q in Colorado Springs Saturday night to celebrate a friend's birthday with his family. He was, um, according to the Washington Post account, enjoying a drag show that included a performance by his 22-year-old daughter's best friend. Um, Before the end of the night, three of his loved ones would be shot, one fatally. Now, Richard Fierro is a U.S. Army veteran, and he found himself in a situation where he had to confront and subdue this gunman. And he talked about it today and and explained how he kind of, you know, was thrown into action, unfortunately, when this happened the other night. I saw the ACU pattern uh, flag vest. And for me, that was like, there's a handle. I'm getting it. So I ran across the room, grabbed the handle, pulled him down, and then started to, uh, well, actually, I think I went for his gun with him. His rifle flew in front of him. Um, and the young man that tried to jump in there with me, um, he, he, we both either pulled him down or whatever, but he ended up at his head uh, and right next to the AR. And then with the AR, he, we, I told him, push the AR, get the AR away from him. The kid pushed the AR. I, I don't know what his name was. Um, and then I proceeded to take his other weapon, the pistol, and then just start hitting him at where I could, but the armor's in the way. And I just started, I found a crease in his, between his, his armor and his head, and I just started wailing away yeah, uh, Matthew, with his gun. Matthew Haynes is one of the owners of the club, and this is his quote. He said, as, you know, dozens of people and, and other people are running away, Richard Friero ran toward this guy. And then I told the kid in front of me, kick him, keep kicking him. And we were, I was, I was guided, I was telling people, call 911, call 911. I brought him down. I, I, <laughs> I was in mode. I was, I was doing what I did. I do downrange, you know, I train, I trained for this. I don't want to ever do this. I, I didn't even retire because I was just, I was done doing this stuff. It was too much. And, uh, I, I'm, you know, it came in handy. I would say the mayor of um, Colorado Springs, Colorado, John Southers is his name. And the other guy that he's talking about, Thomas James, was the gentleman that was helping him as well. He said that, um, in my opinion, they saved a lot of lives. Richard Fierro, hero, just swinging into action in Colorado Springs. Have a great Thanksgiving, Sue. Thank Save you. Save some you leftovers. Too. Safe travels. Enjoy the week, everyone. We'll talk on Monday. Get more at 971talk.com. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need to change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.